This episode of the Better Every Shift podcast is sponsored by The Fire Store. Learn more about getting the gear you need at prices you can afford by visiting thefirestore.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Better Every Shift podcast. My name is Aaron Zamzo. I am a fire lieutenant. Yes, I am now a lieutenant uh, in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, with me, as always on this episode, is the editor-in-chief, uh, the captain of this ship, Janelle Fosquette. Janelle, welcome. How are you today? I am doing great, and congratulations, Aaron. You always call me the captain. Now I can call you the lieutenant. I guess so. I'm still in the firehouses, though, so I still have a connection uh, mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, a little bit what's going on in the fire service. And speaking of the fire service, if you uh, think about turning or tuning this off, it will be a million dollar mistake because today we have with us Chief Jerry Brandt, who I like to call the 70 million dollar man, who's written a lot of grants for the fire service. He's not only going to talk to us about those grants, but why they're so important to every single firefighter and why we all need to know more about it. Before we get into it, though, I want to welcome you, Chief. Thanks for being here. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you? Well, I'm I'm uh, I'm kind of waited on bated breath to see how you have done this uh, amazing work for all these years and raised uh, all these funds for different departments and causes within the fire service. And first, I got to thank you for that because. I know, um, you know, it's writers like yourself that paved the way for, um, you know, other grants and other opportunities. And I was actually hired on one of uh, a grant and I don't know if you actually wrote it, but I'm sure people have used your templates throughout the years. Um, you, uh, you know, your, your relationship to the fire service goes way back and, um, your, your senior grant consultant and a grant writer for Lexapol's firegrantshelp.com and also one of our very good columnists here at Fire Rescue One, but you also have 46 years of experience as a volunteer firefighter. You're a life member of the Hope Fire Company. You've served as chief for 15 years. You're an active member of uh, the Patent Fire Company, and you serve there as assistant chief. And again, you've successfully written more than $70 million in grant applications and counting, as we probably found out this morning. Uh, again, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. I think the first question I want to get to you is if you're a firefighter, you know, maybe you don't write grants. Why should you still listen to this? Why is this information so important just to every single member of the fire service? I think it's important uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, for them to find out what's available out there, um, how the, uh, you know, how the grant mechanism works, what the process is. Um, the other thing is, and you know we'll talk about this. I highly recommend that departments have a grant team or whatever they want to call it. Uh, what I have seen over the years is that departments tend to just push this off onto one individual, and uh, there can be some uh, extreme consequences happen when you do something like that, both good and bad. And so I think it's it's good for everyone to listen to this. Uh, plus, you know, what else do they have to do for the, the next half hour or 45 minutes? Well, right. It could be worth millions of dollars. And I like that idea. I, I think a lot of departments would have, you know, one particular chief or one member write for a particular grant. But because there's so much to them or can be a lot to them, having other people maybe as firefighters or, or even, um, you know, 
people that are just entering the fire service look at your department and utilize some people that maybe have writing backgrounds, right? Or, or research backgrounds and form this committee. I think that was your main point right there is that it doesn't just have to be someone in leadership, correct? Correct. And, and, you know, <clears throat> I think all instructors of, uh, of classes that I have ever been through uh, in my lifetime in the fire service, all start out by telling stories. So, you know, I'll tell this one. Uh, it was a department out in the eastern part of Pennsylvania, uh, wrote a grant for them, got them, they got funded. Uh, I uh, saw the award listing uh, on the AFG uh, page a couple of years ago. And uh, a few days later, uh, the president of that volunteer department called me up. I had always dealt with the chief. So I thought, you know, this is something different, something odd. He proceeds to tell me that their chief is in the hospital um, in a coma and um, that um, they don't know the passwords to get into the grant to accept it because you only have 30 days to accept the grant. And so they were wondering if I could help them out to, uh, to get that taken care of. And I put them in touch with FEMA and we were able to get it taken care of so that they could access into it. Um, unfortunately, their chief passed away, but those kind of things, yes, you don't wanna go advertise your, your login and password information, but there should be a couple of people in your department who know it. And I, I know that's kind of an extreme story, but it happened. I, I can see that happening on, you know, quite a few uh, departments. And we've heard stories, uh, you know, of similar things where uh, policy or whatever may have, have, you know, gotten to a point where you're like, well, I can't remember where they put that or what file that's in. Um, as far as you personally, how did you get started writing grants and, and getting to, to where you are today with all this experience? My, uh, my educational background, I have a degree in uh, public administration, political science from St. Francis University. And uh, at, uh, at some point, you know, I took one of those temporary jobs when I, when I got out of college that lasted for 13 years. And then I decided, gee, it's about time to start doing what, what I really wanna do and like. And uh, so I, I got involved in the, in the nonprofit world, working for a community development corporation and started doing their grant writing. And that's what really, uh, you know, uh, pointed me in, in the direction that I, I'm in today. Do you remember what your first grant was that you ever wrote? Uh, no, I, I, I don't. Uh, but I, I can tell the story that uh, we had we had three grants that were due uh, right in the same uh, deadline period. And uh, we were able to get two of them done. We didn't know if we could get the third one done. Um, it was back in the days before you did things online. And so uh, it was due at the, uh, uh, the department, I think it was of agriculture in Washington, DC uh, in two days. And so what we did is I told my secretary, I said, see if you can find a Kinko's uh, who is somewhere close to that address and see if what they would charge us to print the thing. Because what we could do is we'll email it to them. They can print it. And if they deliver, they can deliver it for us. 
And uh, we got all three of them written, all three of them funded. Uh, one of them was one of eight in the country that got funded at that time. And uh, so that's one of the things that sticks in my mind and probably will forever and ever. Did you ever have to write a grant on a typewriter? Uh, no, no. Okay. You had to uh, think about it though, right? I, yeah. I had to think about it for a while. It was, it was in the early, I was, you know, I started doing that in the early days of computers when you had this big thing sitting in front of you, but no, not on a typewriter. Uh, how has the grant process changed since you first started? Well, I mean, you know, number one, just we're talking, we were talking about paper applications. Almost no one does a paper application anymore. Uh, you know, everything is is now submitted electronically. Uh, number two, the amount of information that you can access. You know, back in the old days, it was, well, if you heard about something, you picked the phone up and you called somebody and talked to them about it. Now, almost all of the information about grants is out there somewhere uh, on the Internet that you can easily access it. Um, and, uh, you know, those are, those are a couple of ways that come to mind that I can think of. So Jerry, like right now it, we are what mid September, late September, where are we, can you give us some context about where we are in the current grant process and what folks should be thinking about right now with respect to upcoming grants? Right now, the, uh, you know, the, the main grants that, that everyone looks at every year are the assistance to firefighters, AFG, and the, uh, the, the staffing grants, the SAFER grants, uh, and to some smaller extent, the fire prevention and safety grants, all of them that come through the Department of Homeland Security, FEMA. Uh, the award process has been going on for a couple of months now with those programs. It's winding down by law they must have all of those monies allocated by uh, September 30th of every year. So we're very quickly winding down the award process there, which hopefully, you know, keep your fingers crossed. Uh, we don't get a government shutdown. Uh, hopefully that means that probably, you know, early November, we could see uh, an AFG uh, announcement that they're starting to accept applications. So when, when you talk about applying, let's, I'm going to start from like scratch. You know, I am, well, I, I guess I'm now a fire lieutenant, but I'm kind of a firefighter. I like the basic approach. Let's say, um, you know, a common one now is, is uh, based on health and wellness. Our, fi our fire department or a particular fire department, let's say they want to write for um, help with annual medicals. What, what does that process um, start like, look like, and then how do you and, and your your, um, you know, how does your involvement get into it then eventually? But take us from the very first thing. Hey, we need this. Now what? Well, I mean, I talked about it earlier. The, the key ingredient in the whole grant process is planning. And, uh, you know, I know some people out there think that planning is fooey gooey and you can only see so far in the future and what if and all of that. But, um, you know, I, I am the Pope of the Church of Planning. Um, I preach it constantly to everyone because you can tell applications that have been planned and well thought out, and you can tell something that was done, you know, in two days 
with a couple of people on the back of a, of a uh, envelope or something. Um, everyone knows that these grants are going to occur annually. You know, we don't know the exact timing, whether it's going to be March or May or, you know, what time of the year. But we know at the beginning of every year that there's going to be an AFG grant. There's going to be a safer grant. There are going to be, you know, firehouse subs grants. There are going to be all of these different types of grants. You should sit down and start planning. And, you know, by by that, um, I guess the easy thing to say here is all grants are really looking for the same thing. They may phrase the questions a, a little bit differently, but, but all of them basically want to know who are you, where are you, um, you know, what is your project? Why can't you finance the project on your own? What will change if you're funded? And how will you evaluate whether this was successful or not? Uh, whether it's a federal grant, a state grant, a private foundation grant, they're basically all looking for that same information. So you could sit down at the beginning of the year and, and start to put together you know, a profile of number one, your service area and a profile of your department. Um, in, you know, if you're putting together a profile of your service area, you'd want to look at things like your population um, and what's happening to it. Is it getting younger? Is it getting older? Um, is it moving from one part of your coverage area to another part of your coverage area? Um, look at things that uh, affect your budget. Has your budget been going up, down? Uh, is it because of things like the unemployment rate or the poverty rates in your area? Um, what's your median household income? Um, and, um, you know, once you get all of this information, um, you have it. And whether you're an old school person and you, you know, put it on paper and stick it in a binder or you create a file on your computer, you now have a profile of your coverage area. And likewise, you know, I know everybody hates to do those ENFERS reports, um, but if you look at it, you can garner so much information from them that can be so helpful. Uh, because the last thing that you want to do on a grant is to be vague, to throw out, you know, statements like, well, gee, we're poor, we don't have any money, um, or we run a lot of calls, or, you know, we're, our staffing is short during the daytime. It's, it's a lot better if you actually can give them good, solid data. Data drives good grants data drives competitive grants. If you can tell them that, you know, 65% um, of our, our calls occur between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m., um, you know, that gets you a lot more information than saying, or that gets you a, a lot more consideration than just saying some vague statement like, you know, we have a lot of calls during the day. Mm -hmm. uh, and all of that, you know, the nice thing about it is all of that information is out there at our fingertips. We just need to collect it and have it in one spot. And you can use that same information for your AFG grant, for state grants, for any other grants that you're going to, because as I said, everybody's going to be asking for that same type of information. So 
you've now got it and the process doesn't become as onerous as it was before when you're sitting there pulling your hair out thinking oh my goodness how am i gonna you know how am i gonna get this point across right yeah right. But and i just wanted to add real quick as a disciple of the church of planning that <laughs> i very Bless much me. yes yes um you know that's why you know when you listed off all the different things all the data points that people might need it might sound overwhelming at first when you think about them in one long list but that's why the planning piece is so important because you can chip away at it over time this is not something to do in an afternoon like right. this is something to do and you know right now with our timing being in september this is perfect because coming up in november that's giving people plenty of time. You've got over a month to start getting your ducks in a row, if not longer. But don't wait until the day of, or it's going to end up being vague. Right. And and I go back to you know what, what I said in the beginning about putting a team together. There's no reason that one person has to do this themselves. You know, if depending on you know what type of uh, model your department has, whether you're a career combination or a volunteer department, you know, you've got a treasurer or a business manager uh, that can help you with the financial side of it. Um, you know, if you have a an, an engineer in your department, they should be able to tell you all about the equipment. Um, and, you know, whoever is inputting all of your uh, your your runs into the into the system, you know, bring them on board. And, and the other thing, you know, as an old guy, I've got to say this is please make sure you have younger people sitting on this team because they are a part of your department, whether you can understand why uh, they stare at their cell phone for, you know, uh, hours and hours and hours or you can't. Um, they're the future of your department. And if you don't include them now, they're not going to feel included at some point down the road. Uh, have them be a part of it. Have them understand what's going on. And as I said, you put this team together and the team, you know, takes little bites of all that work that has to be done. And then it doesn't seem like it's, you know, some large thing staring you in the face that, you know, how am I ever going to get this done? Well, the team, you know, assign and get the information back and put it together. And you'll be really surprised how much easier the grant uh, process goes for you. And the other thing is you start to, like you said, you get buy-in from, uh, you know, various levels. And, um, you know, obviously then as you're going through this process, you might, might identify other needs, you know, going back to, you know, the question about, so let's say physical assessment. So first you do your demographic and uh, run data. And then from there, how do you take that to the next step to say, okay, a, whether it's assessments or SCBAs or staffing, what's that process look like that's also data but what are some of the things that you should be looking at there uh you mean as as far as like health and wellness well yeah let's take health and wellness for, uh for example you know mm -hmm. what are the data points that really can can help um you know set set the table for the grant um you know you're saying how do you establish needs what are some of those data points and um that 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 we can use for that, for, for this example? Well, I mean, I, I think that, you know, one of, one of the big things that everybody talks about today is, is cancer prevention. Uh, if, if you're looking at, uh, you know, new turnout gear, uh, a washer and dryer, et cetera, anything along those lines, um, your new SCBA, um, 
the, the data that I would definitely include there is if you've got a high incidence of, of cancer uh, in your department, uh, you should be able to, you know, rather easily get that information and make it part of your application that, you know, I'm, I'm not just using pie in the sky numbers here. I'm saying that we've had X amount of people who have been in this situation. If you're looking uh, along the health and wellness line, as far as maybe establishing a, uh, you know, a workout program or something like that, if you've got people that have, you know, heart attacks, strokes, um, any, any of those type of, of uh, you know, health issues, that definitely needs to go in there. Injuries as well, correct? Lost time, lost time to that. Yes, and you know the, the the big thing, whether whether we're talking specifically about a health and wellness or we're talking about new turnout gear, um, you know, you should document injuries. Um, I I have a lot of departments who, uh, you know, when they when I first started telling them about this, said some nasty things about me, but then they realized that the whole reason that they were doing all these reports is because we started getting the money. Um, if I'm on the fire ground and somebody comes up to me and says, you know, hey, I cut my hand, that's an injury. Uh, it should be documented. And the reason they cut their hand is because their gloves were, you know, 19 years old or something mm -hmm. and falling apart. Um, tells your story. Right, right. The data isn't here to get anybody in trouble. Right. No. The data, I mean, especially in this day and age is really, um, you know, your friend in a way, if you can utilize it, capture it in the manner in which you need to. Um, and and that has changed. Or I guess I should ask you, how how has that changed? You know, you were saying data is really easy now compared to before. But what did you used to have to do before? Get on the phone or actually like count calls or how did that used to work? Like. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, before there, there was no central repository for you to be sending your fire reports in. So I can remember, you know, when I started as a junior firefighter back in 1969, we, we literally signed a, um, you know, a, a book, signed a, a tablet. And, you know, all it basically had on it was the time of the call, what the call was and the address of the call. And then everybody signed underneath that who was there. Mm -hmm. And so if you wanted to know what was going on in those days, you had to go back through all 180 calls or whatever it was and, uh, you know, transcribe all that information down. But, you know, the other side of that, back in the 70s, 80s, uh, even into the 90s, there weren't a lot, a lot of grant opportunities. Uh, most of the grant opportunities have really started in the last 25 years. Well, and thank goodness for technology, right? Oh, <laughs> Helping absolutely. Helping us quite a bit. Well, and just real quick on that note with data. So data is driving a lot of the decisions here, but there's also a storytelling element to it as well. So who needs a grant writer? Does everybody need a grant writer? Can you do it on your own? What's your thoughts on that? No, uh, everybody doesn't need a grant writer. Um, and, you know, people could say, well, you're putting yourself out of work. I always like to tell the, the what I call the T-shirt story, you know, because I'm one of those people that, you know, if somebody's standing in front of me in line, checking into the Holiday Inn or in line at the Giant Eagle supermarket or whatever, 
and, and they've got a shirt on that says, you know, first do at the courthouse or we fight what you fear or any of those things. It's like, you know, hey, you volunteer. Yeah, where at? They start telling you, oh, how many calls you guys have? What do you have? What do you run? You know, what, what, and what you're really doing in that exchange is you're telling them about you. Now, it, it really um, kind of gets me that people can't take that same t-shirt conversation and put it on a piece of paper when they're saying, please tell us about your community and your organization. You know, you'll tell that stranger in the line at the Holiday Inn about it, but you freeze up when you've got to tell FEMA about it. Um, grants are not great literary works. There's, <laughs> there's no, you know, Pulitzer Prize award for writing the best grant. Uh, the, the, uh, the funder basically wants to know, you know, tell me about yourself. And sometimes the, you know, the easiest factual story that you can tell them, um, you know, hey, we need a new engine because the doors on, on our engine don't latch anymore. We had somebody fall out of it going to a call one night that we almost ran over. Great story. Why not tell it? Yeah, and it's, I, I do want to ask one thing, though. You know, how does somebody keep up with all the changes and updates in all these, right? Because you had mentioned that the last 20 years, there have been a lot of grants, and, and you mentioned a couple when we started the show. But where where do you go? Where would you say for someone to start just to research what grants are even out there? Well, they they should they should read our columns, you know. Exactly. Uh, well, the, that's I'll yep. Get, that's I'll one get, answer. I'll, I I'll get that advertisement. Um, there's a foundation center uh, that that you know you can subscribe to. Um, yes, it costs a couple of bucks, uh, but you know if if you think it's too expensive and uh, you know, you still want to get access to it. Maybe you and a couple of your neighboring departments could buy a subscription. Um, there are, uh, you know, um, a lot of online publications that are out there. Uh, FEMA has listened to us over the last couple of years and have become more transparent and are actually looking for uh, feedback from the people that that use their uh, their grant application systems. Um, so, you know, a lot of this information is online. Uh, the other thing is if you hear that, you know, your department down the street, 20 miles or something, got a hundred thousand dollar grant for, you know, turnout gear or something, go call the chief up. Hey, can I stop in? Can I talk to you about this? And it kind of leads me into one of my, my big no-no's that you don't do is, you know, if that chief got funded for a hundred grand for new turnout gear, don't say, hey, chief, can I have your application so that I can take it back and copy it? Uh, no. Ask that chief if, hey, if, if I write a grant for that this year, could I send it over to you to look at and critique? That's the better thing to do. Don't copy someone else's work because we're going to go back to that four-letter word, their data isn't your data. So it's not going to work for you. 
what are some of the other mistakes you see or, you know, your no nos like you like you said? Oh, you know, don't don't lie on applications, um, you know, especially things there, there are so many ways now for funders to um, because of of, uh, you know, technology for funders to um, correct, get your correct information um, or to get your information, for example, um, with AFG, you know, you've got to put in your call volume. And unfortunately, over the years, we've run into departments that have inflated their call volume uh, in order. They thought that, you know, that was something they needed to do to, to get funding. And all that FEMA has to do is walk down the hallway and they can get your department's information, how many calls you had, how many structure fires you had. Everything is at their fingertips. Um, you know, don't just absolutely don't do things like that. Um, don't try to make yourself too poor. Um, I have seen departments do this. They drive me nuts. Um, they, you know, your, your application at some point in the process, hopefully gets read by, uh, a peer review panel that is three firefighters. Um, and if you try telling them that you're running 250 calls a year, you have four pieces of apparatus and you have a $29,000 a year budget, they're just going to sit there and laugh and fall off their chairs. Um, you know, be realistic about all these things because uh, you're, you're not going to fool anybody. You're, you're just going to have a, an application that isn't going to get anywhere. So, uh, Chief, when these grants come out, um, you had mentioned September 30th that is the, the last award for this year. And then uh, I think we were talking behind the scenes that possibly October, end of October, November, the the next year's AFG grants and safer uh, uh, grants will be open. Um, take us through the process a little bit of what we can expect the next year, when deadlines, when you expect or what what's happened in the past kind of. Um, you know, what can we expect here? Well, in, in the perfect world, and we, like I said, we hope there isn't a shutdown. Uh, normally, somewhere about 30 days or so after the, the closing of this year's awards, uh, we would see a grant opening. Uh, FEMA will advertise that uh, and, you know, make, the, make announcements about it. Uh, you can then at that point access what's called the NOFO, N-O-F-O, the Notice of Funding Opportunity. It lays out, you know, what the eligible projects are, who the eligible applicants are, uh, what priorities they have for this coming grant cycle, how much money they have. Um, there's definitions in there. There's everything under the sun in there that you'd want to know. Uh, and there's also a, a contact number for the help desk that you can get in touch with if you have questions. Uh, usually, once that grant opens, it stays open for about 30 to 45 days. Um, and uh, once it closes, since it is electronic, um, you know, if it closes at 5 p.m. Eastern time, uh, you know, at 5.01 p.m. Eastern time, you will not be able to submit. So 
And then normally what we have seen is about somewhere around 90 days or so after the, um, the award period or after the uh, closing of the grant is when we'd start to see uh, applications being awarded. Mm -hmm. The process that it goes through, uh, to talk about that for a little bit, uh, everybody's, everybody who submits an application, their application is read by a computer first. And the computer is looking for certain <clears throat> information to pass it forward uh, or certain information to say, hey, you're going in the garbage can. Uh, you're not getting funded. Uh, and once you get through that computer um, part of the, uh, of the application process, once you get through that review, then if you're selected, it actually goes to three human beings who sit down, as I said, they read them, uh, they score them. And then if your application scores high enough, it goes to what is called the technical review where somebody at FEMA gives it a last look. Uh, there may be something that you need to do. Typically, um, we see if somebody includes a grant writer fee at that point in time in that technical review, they'll get a hold of the department and say, hey, we want to see a copy of the front and back of the check that you paid the grant writer with a copy of their contract, you know, uh, those type of things. If they're doing a, uh, um, a washer dryer or a uh, uh, SCBA filling station or some of those things, uh, they may have to do what's, what's called a historic uh, and environmental review. Um, so, you, you know, at that point in time, uh, in that technical review, they would be getting a hold of you. Um, and then after that, you know, FEMA will, <clears throat> will start the award process. So that could begin right in the first part of the year, first couple months of the year then in 2024, barring a government shutdown, correct? Then that's when they start. Yeah, you, <clears throat> what we have seen in the past when FEMA was running, um, you know, full steam ahead is, is normally uh, in the spring, uh, you know, if they took applications sometime in the late part of, you know, this year, sometime March, April of the following year, they'd be coming out with awards starting. The Fire Store, equipping protectors with passion. Every decision we make as a company is about you, our customer. We wouldn't be where we are today without you, and we don't take that lightly. We understand that having the right gear can mean the difference between life and death. Our goal is to get you the gear you need, when you need it, at prices you can afford. Visit us at thefirestore.com for everything but the truck. And shop our family of brands, including Streamlight, MSA, Lion, Fleer, and more. Now let's get back to the show. Is there anything that you have maybe some insight as to what are the what are the, the things that maybe AFG will be looking for this year for grants? What emphasis? I think it's going to continue to be the 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 same couple of of priorities. They're they're going to be looking at uh, SCBA turnout gear and basic communications. Um, as as their priorities. I don't think that, you know, that's going to change drastically because 
there is such a need for those things on an ongoing basis by by departments. Yeah, and as the equipment uh, you know changes, gets out of date, technology changes, that'll continue to be. Um, you know, and we also know that we, we had mentioned some uh, assessments and screens and whether it's funded through AFG or not, we know that that's super important. Um, you know, we were talking off, off camera a little bit about, I mean, your experience just with some screens and, um, you know, there are some funded programs that are helping with, with cancer screens, especially and, and, and screens for, uh, possible heart issues, right? Uh, you had some experience with a, with a cancer screen and some, some success, I guess, in this case, correct? Yeah, um, actually, you know, because I'm a, a fair skinned person, I was going to see a dermatologist once a year and um, it was October of the year. I had noticed on the, the top of my head kind of a, a, you know, a little lump bump up there. And, you know, my biggest fear, because I live out in the middle of nowhere on 46 acres, is that I had, you know, a tick bite and... Okay. Uh, I, I'm always watching those things because I, I know several people who've contracted Lyme disease. And so that was my, my biggest fear. I had a um, dermatologist appointment coming up in about six weeks. So I thought, well, we'll just wait, and see, went in, I'm getting checked. And the, uh, the physician's assistant says to me, she says, is there anything you want me to, in particular to take a look at? And I said, yeah. I said, before you finish up, I said, would you look at this on the top of my head? And um, she, you know, has me sit down. She looks at it and she does one of these. Mm. And I said, is that a good mm or a bad? Mm? And she <laughs> said, well, she said, let's get a sample and get it tested. And they took a test and seven days later, she called me up and she said, I'm referring you, she said to uh, somebody in Pittsburgh because she said, you have melanoma. And it was like, okay, you know, for several days, I was like in, I, I guess, denial of, uh, you know, is this really true? Could she be wrong? Could somebody have screwed something up? You know, I feel great. I feel great. Um, in the meantime, I had a, uh, an appointment with my, uh, uh, you know, with my family doctor. And, uh, you know, I told him, and he looked at it and he said, well, he said, my suggestion to you is he said, you're going to one of the best places in the country. He said, go there, listen to them, do what they want to do. And I said, doc, I don't feel sick. And he said, that's good. You know, yeah. he said, that's, that's good. So I went down and, you know, they did more tests and they, uh, um, you know, the, the interesting thing about it is I, I had a surgical oncologist and then also a medical oncologist. And when I went to meet the medical oncologist, it was now in the middle of January and cold and I had a job shirt on. And as soon as he walked in, he turned around, looked at his nurse and he said, he's a firefighter. You see that? And she said, what? And he said, he's a firefighter. You see that? He said, you're a firefighter, aren't you? And I said, yeah. And it's like, okay, I wonder why he's so interested, you know? Um, they had offered me the opportunity to do a clinical trial. Um, my wife and I talked about it at length and we decided, no, we were, we were going to just go the, the standard route. Um, on February the 15th, 
they removed a two inch by four inch piece of my scalp. And um, I, they sent me home with this thing that looked like a big pancake on top of my head. Um, <laughs> 10 days later, they had me come back and they took a, a piece of skin off the, uh, off my left thigh and uh, placed it on my head. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of, you know, my story about it. The, you know, I, I was, you know, then going through a period of um, immunotherapy after the uh, um, after the two surgeries, and uh, went through six sessions of the drug Keytruda, uh, and then had a had a after the sixth session had a uh, a negative reaction to it, so they they took me off that. But um, I just had an appointment two weeks ago. Um, I get a scan every three months, uh, and a doctor's appointment following it up. And so far I've been now, I think it's 19, 20 months cancer free. Awesome. And, uh, you know, they have now, because of my progress, instead of going every three months, I'm now going every four months. So I consider that a, a big victory. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, you know, and, and, you know, how, how to tie this up, this back in, obviously with, with our topic of grants. I mean, this is all coming together. It's how do we make the fire service safer? How can we make it more healthy? How can we stay ahead of the data trends that are saying cancers are more likely to, or cancers, firefighters are more likely to get cancers, um, yes. you know, and heart disease and, and, and PTSD. And by using better updated PPE and better gear and by, utilizing, um, you know, these grant systems that are out here, we can start making strides at being a, you know, I'm not going to say a safe, but I'm, I'm saying a safer and a more healthy, uh, fire service. And, um, and obviously it's, it's a work of individuals like yourself and, and, and the, the knowledge that you're sharing and, and that story. Um, and, and hopefully that, this resonates with somebody and says, you know what, I'll go get that looked at, or we're going to write a grant because we've seen four people with skin cancer, or we've had, um, you know, a couple people, uh, with gloves that have failed, um, you know, relating those things back to, uh, you know, particular instances or, uh, equipment and then writing for these grants is only going to make your department stronger. And, um, yeah, again, appreciate you, you being honest about your story and all your insight. You know, the one real scathing question I still have is like, okay, so say you have a chief that's skeptical. It says I've written for three of them and I, I've never gotten them. Um, you know, we, I, I don't have the time to do it. Um, you know, we don't, we don't really have a need for it. I mean, what would you tell that chief or, or how can you, um, you know, reframe that, that chief's mindset to, to, to open their eyes a little bit and look at the opportunities. Well, I, I think what they have to realize is, uh, you know, 25, 30 years ago, we, we didn't realize that, you know, there were, um, these issues out there that were impacting our departments. Uh, now we, now we know it. And we also, now know that there are ways to deal with it, to, um, you know, to protect firefighters, to help firefighters. Um, and, 
you know, I, I say to that chief, um, you know, I realize that time is 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 very valuable to everyone, but you know, can you afford to not do it? Because by not doing it, you're placing the people in your department um, at a larger risk of all of these things that that we're aware of and that we've been talking about. Um, we we need very much to change the culture inside of our departments. Um, you know, the idea that if you walk by my gear on the rack and it's got, you know, four tons of soot on it, that I'm some macho firefighter of some type, we, we need to completely change that whole image. And, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with the person that you know washes their gear um it's you know we we need we, we're we're bogged down in the fire service by this thing called tradition it's great but it's also one of the things that quote is killing us mm -hmm. so yeah um, and ego yeah yes oh very much yep uh Again, thanks for all the insight, but you're not, you're not, we're not done with you yet. We still have a couple of things that we like to do. We like to throw our guests. Uh, we, I, I shouldn't say throw, we like to put you up on what we call the hot seat, ask you some more personal, more, uh, you know, questions on the lighter side to get a little bit better idea of, of just, you know, some of the things you've experienced. These questions come from, I always say Janelle's mom, uh, but they're also coming from, uh, some of our members that, that email us at better every shift at, uh, firerescue1.com. Um, so with that, Janelle has some good ones for you. Are you ready for this, Chief? Absolutely. <laughs> he doesn't seem too worried, Janelle. <laughs> All right. We've been talking about money. So I want to know, do you have a splurge that's like your go-to splurge item? It could be when you want to take a break or something that is just you're willing to drop some coin. Uh, cause, cause you really, really like maybe it's good a hobby wine. or something and, and good wine, good wine. Nice. Good wine. <laughs> yeah. What's, like what's it. a good wine for you? Oh, it, any, any, anything, uh, red that's semi-sweet. I'll, I'll give it a try. Okay. All Very right. nice. A little fine that's wine. Good one. Excellent. Okay. Janelle's liking that one here. I do. Yeah. <laughs> She's getting thirsty. Um, <laughs> I, this is a, uh, I always ask these questions in two parts, so I'll try to keep it. What's the craziest uh, grant application you uh, remember working on? Oh. Not, not the crazy, I, I never actually worked on it because I didn't know, I had a chief call me and it, it's a pretty interesting idea. But he said, is there anybody out there who would fund me, he said, to have pods, P-O-D-S, uh, you know, those, those containers, and just have one or two vehicles who could hook up to them, and this would be the rescue pod, and this would be the fire pod, and this would be the high angle pod, and I scratched around for about three or four days and got back to him and said, I think you got a fantastic idea, but the problem is, is that uh, most of the funding um, agencies that are out there live in these boxes and you're 
you know, you're not outside that box. You're miles outside of that box. I said, I'd, I'd really love to hear if you ever do this. I never heard back from him. So uh, we never got to write it. But, I, you know, I don't know if I'd call it a crazy idea or way ahead of his time. Yeah. Right. So really, he would put them on the back of a flatbed or a fitted truck and just change the back end out based on what the need of the call was. Right? Yep. Yep. Oh, Boy, he could be on something there. That's yeah, very he, creative. Who yeah, needs he, apparatus when you've got pods, right? Well, he was going to have one engine and then a bunch of pods with a yeah. flatbed. Yeah. Hmm. A squad pod. We just came up with a squad pod a right pod. there. Yeah. Uh, if Pierce or someone is listening, um, we'll take a little bit of that um, as you develop it, right? Um, <laughs> Just couple, a small couple, cut. Yeah, a couple percent. That's a couple yeah. percent. You can reach mm -hmm. us at bettereveryshiftifirerescue1.com. <laughs> All right, Chief. I'm curious if you have any pet peeves you're willing to share with us. You mentioned earlier the pet peeve of people not being able to just describe their department, right? To, when it comes to FEMA, but what about other pet peeves outside the grant writing world? Meetings. <laughs> nice. There, there, there are so many meetings out there that, um, well, I, I shouldn't say meetings, meetings that accomplish nothing other than to schedule another meeting at the end of it. it just drives me nuts. Yep. I second that. Yeah. Wasting time. <laughs> Right. Mm -hmm. um, yes. Yeah. And I, you know, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the people that we have on the show, it's all about getting better. And I think that's one of the things is utilizing your time efficiently. Uh, you know, another theme is, is getting out of your comfort zone. So as I set the table for that, Chief, what are some things that you're doing to work on yourself to be better, better grant writer, better chief, better, um, you know, a better person? Um trying to trying to uh budget my time better um especially to uh allow some more time for myself um i don't in in my opinion i don't spend enough time on myself either a just getting out of here and going for a nice long walk or you know sitting down and and reading a book um i uh you know I'm like a lot of people that, you know, we all get hundreds and hundreds of emails every day and I'll save this one because I think I'm, I'm going to read that and then I'll save the next one and I'll save this one. And then I, I look back and I've got, you know, all these saved emails and it's like, oh, I'm never going to get a chance. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying now to allocate more time to doing those things that at first I thought, gee, I want to read that. So I better make the time to read it dedicating to time efficiency it goes back to why you don't like meetings so much i bet right oh, like there's a there's a correlation there well thanks uh -huh. so much chief for, um for all your insight by the way one of the best places to go to read a lot of your materials is um firegrantshelp.com and which is lexapol's fire grant service services uh fire rescue one uh janelle will leave some links to some of your articles in there for all those that are listening to this, you can actually watch this uh, podcast on our Fire Rescue One YouTube channel. You can also email us at bettereveryshift at firerescue1.com. We love feedback. We love you to rate, review the show. Please tell us if we're on something or onto something. Uh, if you want uh, to us to ask our guests some particular questions, please send us a message. Thanks for listening. And most importantly, everybody, make sure that you learn something, do something, and share something 
to make you and those around you better every shift.